Hi, and welcome back to the Girls Who Gather podcast, a podcast sharing women's stories from a diverse range of backgrounds and stages of life, highlighting the way that they are building community, empowering other women, and walking out their calling. We're so glad you've decided to tune in. Our hope for launching this podcast is to extend the voice of Gather beyond the physical spaces where we meet in our cities, campuses, and apartments. With an incredible diversity of feminine voices, we want to create a catalogue of testimonies and inspirational stories that you and your friends can always return to. We will also be announcing Gather news, updates, and other exciting events coming up on this platform. Stay tuned for more from us as we journey through this next season together. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Girls Who Gather podcast. I'm Lauren Franco, founder and executive director of Gather, and I'm so excited today because we have a very special guest named Anna Jepson, who is going to be chatting with us today on a bunch of different things. But Anna is an art director, a writer, a designer, a photographer, a recipe developer, and an all-around multi-hyphenate. Yes, that's very true. She spent the last decade building a career in the food, beauty, and retail industries, but found her creative home in fashion. She's worked with a number of brands, including, maybe you've heard of it, I don't know, Sephora. And now she is the art director with Old Navy at Gap. And she is the founder and creative director of The Feminist, which is a blog that has been a personal, creative, and spiritual outlet for her and her online community and now she's in new york city and she plans to take the next step of her creative calling through the pursuit of filmmaking anna is an all-around creative she has such an eye for photography and even interior design if you've looked at her instagram at all and so i'm so excited to dive in and chat with anna welcome to the podcast Thank you. It's so nice to hear somebody talk about you with all these new things. <laughs> and you're like, wow, I really did that, huh? Interesting. Say more. What else have I yes, done? <laughs> we all need our bio like read to us every morning. Yeah. Be like, you're doing you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. And I also I never like I never really put I don't like unless it's a, a kind of like a portfolio or like a job interview, I never really put the companies that I work for. But when I hear it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I did do that. Yeah. Oh cool. my gosh. You're I mean, <laughs> you have a great history. I was I can keep Thanks, going <laughs> through your resume if you want. Um, but we're so excited to chat today. I think we have a lot to cover. So, Anna, we like to start from the beginning. Um, can you tell us a little about where you're from and how your upbringing maybe played into what you're doing today, if at all? Yeah, it's so funny. I just went home um, early July for the holiday, mm-hmm. uh, which is Pennsylvania. My parents okay. still have the same house that I grew up in. Um, it's, you know, it's changed a lot. They've added a pool. Okay. But um, I was You're there. Like, we couldn't friend. have had that when I was a kid, or what? <laughs> we did not have a pool when I was a kid. Yeah. No, no, no. It was like very no. It was just kind of wilderness. It was very, very rural yeah. Pennsylvania. Um, but now, you know, it's now that I'm older, it's nice to go home and have the reprieve. But yeah. um, all I have to say, I brought a friend home mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, and they asked uh, which of the four of us kids, I have four siblings, which one is the most different than what my oh. parents had thought. <laughs> and they just were like, her, me, meaning me. Like, without a doubt, she's the one that is, like, the most different. Because oh. I think growing up in such a small and rural area, and also in like to, you know, to just be candid, like a really Christian home. Yeah. I think that the expectation, not from my parents, but from just like general life and the way that yeah. I even saw my life is that I'd probably get married and have kids early and mm-hmm. um, always kind of be creative, but didn't necessarily really think about it that much. Um, definitely wanted to um, be in music and be in film, but also like really wanted to be a mom. So I think... I think I always imagine my life to have all of those things in it, um, but 
growing up, I didn't have those opportunities at all. I lived in a really mm-hmm. small town. So my mm-hmm. graduating class of a public school was 150 kids. Oh, So it was really small, <laughs> very, very rural. Wow. And I remember in high school wanting to take film classes, wanting to take uh, photography classes. And so I went to the media guy, our teacher, mm-hmm. and I said, hey, I want to I wanna, I wanna learn photography. Yeah. And I have this old Minolta. It was my mom's camera when she was young. Yeah. So I like, you know, it's Aww. the film, the whole situation. You mm-hmm. can do it in the dark room, all of that. And he said, okay, cool. Well, you can do an independent study with me for a few semesters. And so I did it maybe for two years, I think, my, maybe my sophomore and junior years. Um, and I basically just, I learned photography by myself. So I've always been kind of a person who, when I saw what I wanted, I went after yeah. it and it didn't. Yeah. Like, I didn't have the resources, obviously, in in a school like that, but I made it work. Um, Yeah, and so that's kind of, like, basically been my life. I would say that's, Mm -hmm. like, a good description of how I've accomplished the things that I have or at least gone after the things I have. But um, there are also perks to growing up in a really small town. You know, there are Mm -hmm. perks that you you tend to be, like, a bigger fish or um, it's nice to have community where you know everyone. Yeah. Um, the values are a little different. Yeah. Um, you know, so the positives and negatives to everything. Yeah. There's a little bit more of a safety to like figure those things out. Cause mm-hmm. there's maybe not as many people are doing it. There's not as much expectation that you're going to be so successful in this thing. You can kind of for sure like, try for and sure. fail. And I definitely so, experienced yeah. that with music. Um, yeah. Definitely like felt like a bigger fish and then got older and was like, oh, I am a very small fish. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so tell us about that. So you actually went to Berkeley first for songwriting and voice. I did. What was that like? That's also a jump to go from a tiny town to yeah. Berkeley, which is one of the best, you know, if not the best, maybe, music school yeah. in the and, and to be clear for the listeners, mm-hmm. Berkeley College of Music is spelled with like yes, a K-L-E-E. It's not Berkeley like in California. Two yeah. totally separate schools. Not the same thing. No. Um, very different. Yeah, very, very vibe. Yeah, I was like, different. oh, sick. Like, how is school in California? I'm like, no, no, like, that's not the same one. You don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, I think I always because I had I grew up in such a small town, um, you know, small worldviews. Um, didn't have a lot of opportunity. Like I just said, I always craved a city. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I've been living my adult life for like 15 years and like, yes, I am definitely a city gal mm-hmm. and will probably always stay in a city mm-hmm. or at least very close to one. Yeah. So going to school in Boston felt really right. Um, mm-hmm. It, I was from the East Coast, so like there was no weather changes. I was used to cold. I was used to the winters. Um, but I think what I wasn't fully prepared for, I think, was the type of people that I met at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And ironically, um, it's almost like it's come full circle. I listened to... Um, one of Athena Calderon's or Calderone um, from Iceland. Oh, I listened wow. to one of her podcasts and she was interviewing kind of at the time, I think he's uh, some sort of acting, he was some sort of acting creative director um, mm-hmm. at Tiffany. And I was listening to his story, and he also went to Berkeley, and we had almost identical experiences. And then I loved that he was in a creative, he was a creative director, and so then we both kind of split out of music and went into this field Mm -hmm. that we're in now. But he had the same experience that I did, which was once I got there, the people that are really successful in music, for the most part, not all, I don't want to give a blanket statement, but for the most part, they live and breathe music all the time. That's mm-hmm. all they do. And so I was sitting down t- with these musicians and either in like my harmony classes or my lyric writing classes or, yeah. I mean, even we had like pop rock vocal theory, pop rock country vocal theory, which oh. was one of my classes. Um, it was just such a, it was a fun school. But I got there and I realized like, <laughs> wow, this is 
I will always have a lot of other things that I love to do. Yes. I will always love cooking. I will always love community. I will always want to be a photographer and want to make films. And these people at school, and I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole them to say that they had nothing else, but the people that were really successful in music, that's how their brains worked. All they thought about was music. All they, all they wanted to do was music. Like it was the driving force of their life to be a musician and, or to conduct or to be um, a writer. Like that was, they, they didn't know anything else. Um, And I don't know, Helen Mirren maybe has a great quote about acting. She's like, it's a vocation. She's like, there was nothing else for me to do. I knew that, like she said, this was the only future for my life. Right. Um, And I found that a lot of people at Berkeley are like that. Mm -hmm. Just as I would imagine a lot of people at Juilliard, any other kind of, you know, performing arts school that's very niche and very prestigious. Mm -hmm. Like I think that you, you just, you get surrounded by people that have even gone to high school where it was a music high school and they spent their whole lives doing music. And so I got there and was like, okay, we're running at different speeds. Um, and even in, even in college, I I was always the girl that would bring cookies or baked goods to class for my classmates, you know? So I always had these other things that I did (laughs) with my life and with my interests. Um, I also got really, really knocked down at Berkeley. Um, I think it was a one, a little bit of a blow to my ego again, Mm -hmm. that big fish, small fish situation, but it was healthy. I think that needed to happen. But then I also, um, I ended up getting a vocal injury. And um, that kind of affects me to this day a little bit more psychologically probably than physically. You know, my vocal cords are healthy. But um, when you have an injury as bad as I did and it it affected my performances so profoundly for so long that it really starts to mess with your um, confidence, um, with your ability to think that you can actually sing anymore. Um, You know, it's a lot. And then we don't have to get into this. This will be another podcast episode. But I also... Part two. Incidentally, dated a guy at the same time that I was going through all of this who was um, really not supportive or encouraging through that process. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of like this double, it was just layers, right? Layers yeah. of discouragement when it came to the gift that I had in music, yeah. um, which in some ways is still processing through, but also like more of just, um, I, I also understand that I'll never, I'll never be that laser focused onto music, yeah. you know? That's, so, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a blessing and a curse. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're a musician and you're thinking about going to Berkeley, I would say just move to L.A. or move to Nashville, write, play with people that are sick, yeah. that are really talented. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, Berkeley is really fun. It was very fun to study something like that, yeah. but I don't think it's entirely necessary. Yeah, no, that's true. I went to an arts high school and it was mm-hmm. very similar and it was, yeah, I studied music and theater. And so, but yeah, I found that too. I was like, especially with musicians, because I, I do think, I love that quote from Helen, but like, I also think the cool thing about acting, because I'm also an actress, is like a lot of acting comes from life and you, mm-hmm. uh, you find that a lot of advice actually is to go live life and experience things and use that to kind of influence your character and, and draw upon things because so much of acting is like, it's, it's about feeling and storytelling and when you don't have, when all your experiences is in the studio and in acting class, that's not a ton to draw from. Um, and so I, I've always appreciated that about acting is that it does, it, you know, even if it's what you want to do forever and it's the only thing you want to do forever, you do still even need to have other things in your life that you can kind of still have experience in. But I, with music, I totally agree. I think the, the most talented people I know, that's, they lived it and breathed it and it was 
all they could do. And I'm similar to you. And like, I also have a ton of other things that I love to do. I love to write. I love to travel. I love justice, huge like justice bend in my life, filmmaking, acting. Like there's Mm -hmm. always been a bunch of things. And I think that that can um, make you, you know, it it gets in your head a little bit because you're like, well, I'm I'm not as focused. I'm not as sincere about this thing, even if you love it. And I don't think that's necessarily true. And I don't think that was even true for you that you didn't love it. But it's just that, yeah, there's, there, there are people around when you're surrounded in a conservatory, because Berkeley is a conservatory school. If you don't know what that means, it means that there's, that is what you're doing. You're doing your art all the time. And, um, there's very little else and it's very focused. And so Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that makes total sense. And what you were saying with like your vocal injury, it's hard because art with, with anything performative with, especially with singing, it's like who you, it's who you are. It comes from your body mm-hmm. and yeah. it's, and it's also fully tied that. to your emotions, kind of yes. like acting. I've mm-hmm. also done some acting and it's like, yeah. it, it is so, it is, it is a emotional, physical, spiritual experience yep. when you're doing yep. it. It's fully tied to your psyche, to your emotions. Yeah. If you need to be angry, you're pulling from, you know, there's just you. I, and I think with singing, when, when that is kind of taken away, it's yep. this like, it's this huge blow to who you yeah. are in yes. a sense I mean, and not yeah. not in this way where like your pride is hit but like it's kind of like imagine imagine always being able to run really fast and then you get an injury and now you can only like yeah. you can only kind of walk with like and you're kind of dragging your leg and that's yeah. just the way that it is now for you yeah. and but imagine that also happening to like your your spiritual being like who you are yeah. and you know it's yeah. it's a really it can be like a really really tough um, pill to swallow and yeah. just kind of like crawling back out of that. Um, it's a process. And that's why that we have performance psychologists, right? Like we have yeah. people that can help yes. with that to get you out of those, out of those. Yeah. Artists need to use, utilize those more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Sometimes yeah. you get too much in, you know, into that, but, um, no, that's really great. And so, yeah, so you, you, att- you went there and then you went and studied art at Penn state. And so, curious to know something you just said which I thought was really interesting and kind of a good lead into this question um is just that like you encouraged you know if you want to do music you want to go do it and go you know write with people go sing with people go perform go learn it by doing um what do you feel like so you, you studied art in university and now that's that's more part of your career um what do you feel like that was that was like to study versus now how you kind of how you use art in the marketplace and what it's like actually doing and using that creative mm-hmm. you know yeah that you were learning yeah I think you know it's funny my my college experience is so interesting which by the way my college experience was over a decade ago so just <laughs> put it into perspective dig it out um, of the cave <laughs> here we go oh yeah it's a it was Can a while ago <laughs> um but more or less I could essentially tell people that I majored in writing um, because I majored in songwriting at Berkeley. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there. But then when I got back, when I got back to Penn State, I essentially studied creative writing. Um, so I, I studied poetry. I studied film, filmmaking, film history. I studied, um, like essay writing and, you know, just literally in any classes I was always writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, I think that's also why blogging um, became such a big part of my life in my 20s and my creative yeah. exploration because it's so much of what I do and who I am as a writer. Yeah. So I think to kind of answer your question, it's actually more about story for me and it's always been yeah. about story. Amen. Um, and 
I think that like even when even when we're you know for work and you're trying to sell a pair of jeans and a shacket or maybe it's this kind <laughs> of like outerwear story and it's like well, say what's shacket? the story there shacket yes can you elaborate a shacket so it's um <laughs> those that's like the industry term but it's um those 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 jackets that are really popular during the fall that look like those old man's flannel overcoats that have the big pockets oh. on the chest oh yes a shacket a shacket because it's not a shirt but it's but not it's a jacket, not a jacket. <laughs> it's a shacket yeah and even our director is styling at old navy she's like we just she's like i'm so tired of that word they're like she's like they need to die um and she's kind of right like shackets are kind of on the way out but we did just do like a little bit of a shacket story. you heard it here um, first yeah shackets are <laughs> shackets. they're on their but way they're, but they're also like just convenient like i wear mine in the fall oh, yeah. all the time all the time um oh, okay, anyway, anyway sorry uh, yeah leave it to <laughs> leave it to the ladies to get distracted by fashion uh-huh. um but all of that to say i think that like it's always helped me um to to approach the work that I do to look at it from a story perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- even to this day, I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago about writing, and I said by far the most influential class I ever took in college was a poetry class at Penn State. Mm-hmm. It wasn't at Berkeley. It was poetry because it was like I really had to learn. If you're familiar with like poetry and the way that it's taught, and it gets incredibly cerebral, and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest class I ever took. Um, because yes, you have cadence, you have rhythm, you have all those things, but that's just the way it feels, right? Um, but poetry that's incredibly powerful has something that's called internal rhyme Mm -hmm. where you have a symbol in the beginning of your poem. Let's Mm -hmm. say it's a red rose. Okay. And this symbol means something based on the context around it, right? So Mm -hmm. the red rose has some sort of deeper meaning based on the paragraph that it's in. And then you read through the poem and all these kind of different things happen. And then the red rose all of a sudden comes back. But now, Mm -hmm. because of what you read through, it's something different. Different, So there's an internal rhyme. And it's not necessarily that it's always something different, but there's like, there's this internal rhyme between symbolisms. I guess. And I, I, when I took that class and learned that, I just thought you can use that in literally everything that wow. you ever write, anything that you ever write. Yeah. You can use it in any essay. That's like, you know, you're just trying to be informative, always bring it back, you know? And even when I'm talking to people, I do it when I talk, um, yeah. just full circle it, bring it back so that it, it makes sense and that we kind of yeah. tie it in a bow. Um, but I mean, how powerful is that to put that into a script with a character, right? Maybe mm-hmm. a character has something that's really meaningful to them. And yeah. throughout the whole series, the life of this character changes and has ups and downs. And all of a sudden now this one like object or this one experience that they have now means something different, like the power that that has. Um, and so I would say out of all of the, out of all of the classes that I took, even my songwriting classes at Berkeley, that poetry class was the most formative, mm-hmm. um, into how I approach writing, creativity, et cetera, now. And it was hard. It was easily the hardest class I took in college. I did not, yeah. I did fine, but I didn't feel like I was doing great, you know, because I was, I, mm-hmm. the poems were so difficult to write because I was so focused on internal rhyme and trying to get mm-hmm. these things to work together. Um, and I think that a lot of people, like, I don't know how many people have actually really truly studied poetry other than maybe poets. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> people that like took, you know, had to take it for English class. To, but, yeah. Um, you know, coming from a songwriting background and, and wanting to write, my advisor was like, I think you should really take this. And it wrecked me. I mean, it was hard, mm. but it was, it was incredibly impactful, really powerful. And I wow. think that if you have the opportunity to take a collegiate level mm-hmm. uh, poetry course, 
and and you're and you're a writer. I should caveat. Don't just take it for funsies. Like if you're a writer, I think it's it's really helpful. You're an engineer, probably not yeah. for you. But yeah, I mean you can't. May not work well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, cool. Okay, so so you study this, you go into the working world, and at a certain point, you and you can talk a little bit about that transition out of out of school. Mm-hmm. But um, at a certain point, you start a blog and you start writing. And I'm really interested. I you told me a little bit about this. Um, kind of idea before of just like seeing what you wanted to do knowing there was a gap between what you were doing and where you wanted to be and then just like going for it and doing what you needed to do to make that happen and um so you started a blog called the feminist which I know that had different iterations so can you speak to us a little Mm -hmm. bit about how that kind of started what that where that came from and what you were doing you know why that why that yeah for sure. And I think I, to your point, I kind of have to give you the context of where my life yeah. season was in order for this all to make sense. Give it to um, us. I, I graduated from Penn State with essentially, um, you know, a Bachelor of Fine Arts and um, mostly writing and feelings. I always say that I majored in feelings. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, did. I was like, how do I express myself through yeah. words? And Written feelings. feelings. No, it's yeah. true. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a joke, but it's also kind of true. And it's been, it's been such a great outlet for me. As That's funny. I would call that, that's what acting was for me. I'm like, can I major in feelings? Yeah, I major in feelings. Yeah. Um, but basically I graduated and I was like, okay, well, mm, cool. What am I going to do? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, Cause I wasn't at a point where I was thinking I'm just going to move to Nashville or I'm just going to move to LA and I'm going to become this great singer songwriter or I'm going to pursue music full time. Like it just wasn't something in my life that at the current season that I was in that maybe felt like it was the right choice. Yeah. Um, maybe I had been like beat down, you know, obviously I had the vocal injury, all of that, but it just, it just didn't seem like the right move. Um, and so I, you know, second, last semester of college, I'm thinking, what am I, what am I going to do? And I looked at my parents one day, I was like, I think I, I think I kind of want to be a nanny. Like, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I don't have anything else to do. I should just be a nanny. Like, I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. I love kids. My first major was actually early childhood education. So I okay. wanted to teach, um, like, pre-K through second or third yeah. grade. Yeah. Um, so I've always really loved kids, loved teaching. Um, and so I thought, you know what? I'm just – I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to look for some yeah. nanny positions. It's a good landing pad kind of for me right now as I, as I navigate – um, so I ended up getting a, a job with um, a family in Boston who I still yeah. stay in touch with, and they have so many kids now. Um, <laughs> when I started, there was just one, and then there was two. But okay. um, I worked with them for three years, and so I was a nanny in Boston in the South End. Um, and while I was in Boston, you know, when you work for a baby, they're when you're when you're nannying a baby, they're like, <laughs> your boss is a, a baby, yeah. Well, sort of. Like- <laughs> Not even kidding. It's like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> when you're watching a baby, you, you are tell you what you at the mercy do. of your schedule. They're like, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to eat this. We're going to eat now. Yeah. When you when you are working as a nanny with a baby, yes. you have some free time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she was taking two naps a day, sometimes three. So I used that free time to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was on Pinterest. Wow. And I knew that I always had a really... I had so much of an eye and granted, like, I guess the context is in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking I want to pursue music and I still want to be a film, like a filmmaker. I still want to, you know, make films, but I'm 
trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm nannying. Yeah. So it's not like I can just pick up, move to LA and start directing yeah. films, right? Like I had, yeah. you know, I had to figure out how I was going to start to build something. I had to build a foundation of something. Yeah. So um, I was spending a lot of time curating things that I love, photography, design, um, fashion. I was getting a lot of like textures and pulling them together with paints. Just, I mean, truly none of it was any sort of like, there was only output and there was no product right? There was no yeah. product whatsoever. There was just me <laughs> like throwing things at the wall, seeing what stuck, nothing stuck yeah. obviously, but just like trying to, trying to just flex muscles, uh, creatively. And, um, I, so I, through that process, I started a blog and the blog at the time was called lady and like, and that was what my blog was for years. Um, and food has always been a big outlet for me. Um, cooking community, uh, family dinners, all of that. So I basically had, it was mostly a food blog. I did other things as well. I did fashion, I did reviews, different things like that, but I started curating recipes and I started curating, um, like any kind of like little designs that I would kind of pull together, whether it was mock web pages or, or little, um, like collages, just kind of starting to pull together any sort of creative products that I could think yeah. of. And I had a lot of friends at the time while I was doing the blog who were also kind of in similar spaces. One was a brilliant photographer, is a brilliant photographer. Mm -hmm. um, and another had just started a floral business. So at one point I said, well, let's do a, like a little mock brunch and I'm going to yeah. design us a menu. And then I will, um, you know, figure out how to style our table. And I need, you know, you to come with flowers. I need you to come with the, the camera. And we did that a few times. We did like a floral crown thing. I, um, I basically just, I needed to collaborate with people who are really creative, but yeah. we just had to make something out of nothing. You know, I, I had somebody just um, last week this weekend, this week, last week, I think, ask me, um, like, how do I get a portfolio? And I said, you just have to do it. You know, for me, it yeah. was, I would never show anybody those initial designs that I did for, yeah. you know, for clients, but like, you just have to start doing it and yeah. you have to start, you have That's to great. go out and shoot. You have to start designing, like even do some mock logos, you know? So I, I basically, as an, as my role as an art director, most art directors start as graphic designers and they mm -hmm. work their way up. So that's what I did. Okay. So I taught myself graphic design during that time when I was a nanny. Um, did all those mock photo shoots, the styling, the, you know, mock menus, et cetera. Yeah. Um, even did like a two to three minute trailer, um, with a friend of mine that we, that, that I directed, um, for, it was like for this other project, which we don't have to get into, but it was very fun. <laughs> um, but I think that that's the best way to do it. And so for me, yeah. I'm like completely self-taught in that that's regard, awesome. like design wise, yeah. fully self-taught. But I think with directing, there's, there's so much technical stuff you have to learn, um, about being on set and lighting and process and just like there's so much that you have that has to be learned but I think with a lot of it like I think you either have a director's eye or you don't in some ways yeah. and if you if you want it you can curate it right, right? put yourself around brilliant directors watch incredible right. films follow incredible photographers online go to yeah. galleries go to exhibitions you can and once you're around it enough you start to just shape right. it you know in your own mind yeah. so um but that's a long-winded way of basically saying that i'm fully self-taught um for the most part yeah and then once you kind of get your groove it then you then you can it just you can feel it feels like you can branch out more yeah no that's great
that's I love that story. <laughs> I love that story because I think there's such a there's a that one there was a beauty to like the fact that there was you were just doing it for you were doing it to get somewhere, but you also had a lot of just ability to try and and fail and do things and experiment. And I think that's so such a formative like piece mm-hmm. of of anything that's creative. It's just that time and ability to do things with relatively lower stakes so you can kind of figure out what you who you are and what you do and don't like and mm-hmm. where you excel and where you don't and what works and what doesn't so yeah. I think that's great advice for you know in any field too but especially in any sort of creative realm um so you now are an art director I want to talk a little bit about that and tell us more about like what that actually entails what that mm-hmm. means because you work for Old Navy which is in in gap <laughs> we yeah. were talking about this before the actual language <laughs> yeah. of the gap conglomerate um but yeah what was that what was that like what is this like what was it like coming into the role as an art director because you've done this before you are also worked as an art director for sephora which is also great and really cool um but curious to know what that actually means what it looks like mm-hmm. i know a little bit about it but i don't know if everyone does so I'm just yeah yeah so it can actually mean different things um, for different companies or industries. So let me kind of just very high level explain what I do. But before I do that, say that an art director in tech is probably only focused on the user experience from a high level and is, mm-hmm. is art directing what everything is looking like in purely in a digital design space, right? So you can be an art director in a digital design space. Um, that's all graphic design, product design um, based. Or you can be an art director in the more kind of traditional sense, which is you are directing photo shoots, um, which means you're coming up with a concept for whatever the campaign is. You are picking a cast. You're picking a photographer. You are then directing on set. Um, So, you know, you're collaborating with the stylists and the photographers on set and also the talent to make sure that you're really hitting on all of the objectives for the campaign. Um, again, telling that story, like getting yeah. some, some of those really good rich emotional shots and then also getting those really practical, like we need to sell the clothes kind of a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why editorial is so fun. I don't do editorial, but would love to because it's so story-based and yes. it's less about the product and it's that's so much great. more about the story where, where I work, it's very much about the product and less about mm-hmm. the story. There's always a story involved, but yeah. Um, yeah. So basically my day in and day out, we go in cycles. So you start um, from the kickoff brief, which is where you get briefed from marketing that says, we need to sell X, Y, and Z, and this is what the product is. Then we take that as the creative team and as the art director, I come up with concepts of how I want to shoot that. So mm-hmm. I just did back to school uh, a few months ago, and we developed a concept around how we wanted to shoot back to school. Um, and then you take that, you get it approved. <laughs> that sounds way easier than it is. Trust me, that's a long process. <laughs> um, it's usually a lot of back and forth. Um, so you get it approved. Then you can go into your nitty gritties. You can go into your location, your cast, your photographer. And you take that on set. You have the most fun of your whole life being with everybody yeah, on set. And you shoot. So fun. It's the best yeah. part of the job. That's what yeah. I love. I feel happiest when I'm on set. Like, for sure, I feel happiest when I'm on set. Um, yeah. And I think most art directors do. Um, now, the other thing that's with, with my particular role, and that's kind of why I started out saying that every company does it a little bit differently, but within my within my role, and I would say probably within a lot of retail roles, 
um, not all, but a lot, you also have to take those that same content that you shot, those that imagery, and you have to carry it the whole way through all of the mm -hmm. assets, right? So we're mm -hmm. shooting, we shoot all of our assets for billboards, direct mailers, the website, um, any ads, any emails, it goes on literally everything. Um, so we then have to, or I then have to take those images that were shot, give them to the design team and work with the design team and lead them in a way that like gets them to really strong creative um, that we know the customer is gonna respond to. So mm -hmm. I start with concept, then I take it into production and I shoot, and then I end with actually getting back into the graphic, graphic design space and design all of the assets with the collaboration of wow. the design team. Um, and then we handle all of those off and then we do it all over again. <laughs> My goodness. So yeah. Just small, just easy. It's quite a process. Breathable work. Yeah. <laughs> <It's quite laughs> that sounds so fun. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you what your favorite part about it was, but I guess you answered Yeah, that definitely being on set. I love <laughs> being, being on set. That's yeah. so cool. I love that. And, you know, I think um, getting to see something from start to finish and then actually seeing like, seeing it out there in the world must be really cool. Do you, do you yeah, still get like fun. excited about, Oh wow, that's my, I did that. <laughs> oh, for sure. I had one of our, I, I follow, I mean, once you work with the same talent all the time, you just become yeah. friends. And so there's this, um, there's this one girl that we use often. So we follow each other on Instagram and, um, she's incredibly talented, an incredibly talented model. And she was going down an escalator and had this really wide shot of the whole wall. I'm not sure where the this particular Old Navy store is, but it was huge because it was a couple of floors. Mm -hmm. And so the photos went along the whole wall of the escalator. Oh, my gosh. And I was looking at it and I'm like, oh, my gosh, those are that's. Oh, I shot that in February, you know, and it looks so oh. good to see it big that way. Yeah. Um, it's like, it just looks really strong and really confident. And yeah. this particular imagery was like shot for our denim campaign in the winter. And it just looks yeah. really cool, really strong, um, really organic. And it was really fun. I also have had some billboards, which is always fun to see. Yeah. Um, it's just fun to see your work that large. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just kind of like weird, like a bizarre experience to see it that big, but it's, yeah. it's really fun. That's yeah. cool. Do you feel like there are things that you do kind of still to keep yourself like, do you, to keep creative and keep like up with how you're going to, I don't know, cultivate new ideas and Mm -hmm. do things are there things that you read or look at or just like or do you feel like that just kind of flows naturally or is it a product of doing it so many times mm -hmm. like what is your sort of like high level process for how you would concept all that yeah I think I would I think a lot of creatives and artists can relate to this where there's an ebb and flow mm -hmm. and maybe even something a little cyclical of yeah. you get your inspiration and you're on a high and you're running for a while and you're you have some really great outputs or like yeah. really great explorations and then you have like a little bit of a desert and then it happens again and I would say that that that's a, can be a little bit how I work um you know it's kind of like when inspiration strikes kind of a thing um but in currently in the season that I'm in now if you would have asked me that question a few years ago it would have been a different answer than it is now um because I was working in food before I was working in beauty before I was working in fashion. Yeah. <laughs> and I worked in food for a while and um, I was a recipe developer and an art director in kind of like the food tech space in San Francisco. Oh. And um, I was constantly cooking. I was constantly trying new things. One, because I loved it, but then also because it 
it brought people together, I'd be like, oh, you guys, I have a blog reject. You want to come over and whatever, yeah. you know, and we could all hang and and oh, like yeah. try it and figure out what it needed, how it needed to change and stuff like that. So um, I think that a few years ago, it was a little bit more of a steady stream of kind of constant inspiration where I was, but I also do always seek it out, um, I would yeah. say, um, whether it's through like reading um, or movies or photography is probably a big one, um, just yeah. going on trying to shoot and things like that. Yeah. Um, but currently in the season of life, um, you know, the blog has really taken a back seat, not not out of like losing a fire for it, but more recognizing that the future that I see for myself in this next next decade yeah. um, likely doesn't have anything to do with what the blog was before. It doesn't mean that yeah. the that it won't have a future, you know, but the blog was a huge source of inspiration in the past. And it was yeah. a huge way for me to explore that. Um, and it even also gave me like kind of goals, you know, oh, I want to do so many recipes by the end of whatever. Mm -hmm. I want to interview so many people by the end of X, Y, Z time. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of this driving force for me, but now that I, I don't know that that's really the best way for me to kind of tackle some of the ways that I want to approach my creative future as a director. Um, and as, as a writer, I, I, I haven't really done it. And again, not, not out of frustration or being like wanting to wash my hands of it. It's just more, is that the best way to kind of curate and get into the space yeah. I want to be in? So mm -hmm. what I actually am doing now, and this is something that I would advice that I would probably give to any, anyone ever, not just creatives, but, <laughs> um, I'm a woman who needs, I need these pillars of how I live to exist, to flourish and I'm, re I'm like recently, um, have recently moved to New York. Uh, it's only been about a year-ish. I was kind of trying out New York last summer, but I officially moved kind mm -hmm. of in January of this year. Um, but I, I feel like I can't do incredible work or feel confident in my abilities or feel settled or feel like, again, I can flourish and even just baseline find happiness, which I know is a little bit of a trigger word because yeah. uh, happiness means different things to different people. But sure. I need to have community that I love and feel seen by mm -hmm. and feel inspired by and feel at home with. And I really need to have a home that feels like home that yeah. I can come in and feel totally at peace. Yeah. So currently in the season of my life, the reason why I'm giving you this long-winded answer is because <laughs> I'm actually not in a space where I'm really I'm really seeking out a ton of creative inspiration. I'm yeah. just trying to get these pillars of yeah. what it means for That's me to great. flourish yeah. well in place because I do think that my my life in New York will be long. I don't know that I'll ever really leave New York. It's not like a, I'm in New York for forever, but it's more the life that I've always dreamed for myself fully makes sense yeah. here. And I see everything that I want to do here. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, full disclosure, I want to direct. There's like, you know, a series that I've been trying to write for years. And there mm -hmm. is also a few films that I've been wanting to do. Um, so for me, my future is in film. It's in television. Yeah. Um, it's a director and a writer in that space. Um, and that takes actually a lot of solitude. It takes a lot yeah. of slowing down. And that takes a lot yeah. of time to... Think about yeah. characters to spend hours writing. So I've been reading a lot. I've been reading a ton of books. I've been watching um, series that have great, great characters and character development. Um, mm. A series that I'm currently obsessed with. So this is a weird answer to say I'm inspired by TV. But That's I've been watching it. I've been watching it largely to understand how characters work. And so there's there's a series that I love called Madam Secretary that was on CBS. Ugh. I think. So good. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Henry McCord. If there was a Henry McCord Aren't out there. Are they married? Are no, they're married? together, though. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. So for, for, for the listeners that don't know this, we're going to give you a little insight. Oh yeah. Um, So Madam Secretary, (laughs) I think was on CBS for like five or six years. Um, and it stars Taya Leone, who is just an absolute powerhouse and wonderful and vivacious and sparkly and bubbly. And I just absolutely love her. Um, and she is also a producer on the show and her husband in the show is her partner in real life. Yeah. Um, and they are just the most wonderful humans. So I love them. Um, yeah. Never okay. met them, but I love them. Um, <laughs> but I say all of this. One, Henry McCord is literally my perfect man. Like, literally my perfect man. Oh, I know. He's so intelligent, but so kind. And, like, he literally studies oh, ethics for a living. So I'm, like, supportive. literally yeah, I know. more perfect. I love um, when they weave that in, too. Like, I know. Well, that's, that's where to, like, make Exactly. <laughs> Like what I'm getting at is like she's so she's the secretary of state. Right. And so she has to make all these incredibly complex decisions that are really it's really the lesser of two evils. You know, right. She's not making decisions that's that are always flourishing for humankind. A lot of times ah, we've got to shake hands with the bad guy so the devil doesn't win. Right. You know, so it's and so there's this constant battle of ethics and what she does. And then she's married to an ethics professor. So you get this like weave of morality and ethics throughout the whole series, um, which is so wonderful. And it brings this like depth of humanity to her job, even though she's like this deeply human character and she's so compassionate and empathetic. It brings this like really this really wonderful, complex layer into it. But the thing that I love about how they've written her particular role is that she's also a mom of three. Mm -hmm. And so if you did not see her as a mother, you wouldn't see much humanity in what she does. You would see justice Mm -hmm. in what she does. And you would see a lot of essentially incredibly good leadership, right? You would see a lot of these, these qualities in her, but you wouldn't see her break that much. You wouldn't see her not know what to do. But yeah. when her kids are involved and she's and she's mom and she's not Secretary McCord, you see how human she is. And without yeah. that part of the script, you wouldn't you wouldn't get this well-rounded character. Right. And so I just and that's just one of the char- one of the shows that I've watched that I've kind of just dissected and been like, okay, so what do I need to add to X Y Z character to yeah. make this feel well-rounded so that they're just not one-dimensional? Yeah. Um, and honestly, that's like the current season that I'm in. I'm like watching series. I'm that. reading a lot of books. Yeah. I'm doing master classes to understand characters. You know, it's it's less for me right now about like going out and wanting to do like mock brunches and shoot it and do like a bunch of logo designs for companies. It's really more about mm-hmm. under deeply understanding people to write good characters. Yeah. Um, so it, it has to do with a lot more like isolation currently. Yeah. It's a lot of slowness, but I think it fits the current season of my life where yeah. I'm just trying to build a good foundation for New York and have a good home and have a good community. And I, I really think that you can't like, I, I genuinely believe that you cannot have any really good, long-lasting creative output or career without a really good foundation and a really good preparation. I was actually reading an article about, um, it was an an actor being interviewed talking about a director, and he was saying that the the sets and the shoots um, tend to go really smoothly because the director is, oh, it was in the Times actually, because the director is so overly prepared for the scenes. Um, and it just, it stuck with me that so much quote unquote success, I don't mean like box office success. I mean, 
the success of a shoot going well where where the talent feels supported where they feel like they're thriving yeah. where they feel like they're really nailing their performances or in you know in this particular case in what I do now um you know as an art director like that they're really they're feeling like they can they're set up to kind of do their job yeah. well where you also feel like the crew lighting photographer cinematographer all have the skills and all the information that they need to do it well mm-hmm. and i think that i've taken that general kind of high level approach right now in my life mm-hmm. where I'm fully okay with not a lot of yeah. creative output other than my yeah. job right now to really have this deep foundation to prepare for the life that it is that I see in the next, well, the rest of my life really, you know, it's like wow. as, a, as a writer and director. So um, kind of relishing in that and taking that all in and, and yeah. loving some of the quiet that it is, but also knowing that I think being as prepared as you can is going to set you all set you up for the most success. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, all of that was great, <laughs> especially the mountain secretary um, part. Oh, I um, it's so good. <laughs> um, I uh, I love that. I think that a couple things that of note that you've said there is just like yeah, we're we're in a series right now called Build, and so we've been talking about this idea of building, laying good foundation, and building things and putting our hands to the dreams we want to create and. And then being able to dwell, and I think you're you're right. So much, it's all connected. Like the pro, being able to dwell well wherever you are requires having laid that foundation. And I think, at least personally, I think we're similar in just having a lot of different things that we like to do mm-hmm. and, and can do. And I think that this is really, this is actually really like um, just inspiring for me, or just encouraging, because I think that it can get hard when you can do a lot and when you have a lot of different outlets. Um, to choose to actually strip back and to choose to focus in and lean in and learn those learning seasons when you're not creating and doing as much can feel like I'm not being productive or I'm not being effective I'm mm-hmm. I'm not growing but actually like it's good to come back to that foundation and especially for you just naturally moving to a new place and setting new roots and that just naturally requires that of you but um but even the choice making the choice to go into that season and dig in and build and um and learn and just kind of soak soak in what you want to do next is really I think a really good word for mm-hmm. <laughs> for me yeah. uh, and for a lot of other people so good. I love that but um yeah I just like last question for you as we sort of wrap up um is just yeah I think you know you just kind of spoke to it about being able to to dwell in a new space but this is a two-part question one um in sort of your career, which I know fashion more and beauty more and more gaining a lot more women leaders, but I think it still can be hard to own whether you're you know man, man or woman own like what you have on your life and the, and the calling you feel like you're going after, especially in a creative space where creativity, you know, and art in general can be subjective. And so how have you learned to just like own what you know you have and what you know you're good at and be bold in your job and bold as a director um, and really like take up that space essentially because have you feel like that's been a, at all a challenge? Do you feel like you've had to learn that or do you mm. feel like, yeah, what have you learned in that? And then my part two is just like how has community played a part in that as well and especially mm. in this new season where you're building new community. So yeah, yeah. I think I'll answer the second question first and that yeah. that is literally the reason I moved to mm-hmm. New York mm-hmm. um, because I realized, I mean, I could have lived and died in San Francisco. I loved it. I was like, I love this place. It's Aww. magic. I mean, Northern California is 
probably one of the most beautiful places in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm partial and, to Southern because I'm from yeah. Orange County, but um, we can argue about that. <laughs> yes. after. I, mean, I mean, I love all of California, quite frankly. I just think it's it's so wonderful, but yeah. I I loved the pace there. It, it yeah. was very it was a very good kind of lifestyle for me. Yeah. Um, but I realized, I mean, you know, even the fact that I'm sitting here chatting with you yeah. about this, it, San Francisco, God love it, is a very tech-based city. And I, I, I think I was maybe a little naive moving there um, yeah. as to how much tech has really kind of taken over the city. And so yeah. um, I got to a point where I have like my soul sister girlfriends that I will keep forever with me. Um, and they inspire me and they will always be with me. But as a whole, the city was never going to put, going to push me towards yeah. becoming the person that I know I've, yeah. I've been meant to be. And so I, I picked, I, I mean, it was a, it was a very intense grieving process to let go of California, but, mm-hmm. um, I knew that coming here would offer opportunities, would offer even just kind of this general environment it's like in the air of creativity right and so you and I even having this conversation like it's you find people who 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 fit that bill and like this this didn't happen in SF and it could have but um, like this conversation that we're having it definitely could have but it's just a little bit more rare Mm -hmm. um you get a lot of conversations about women in tech and you know x and z and so it's it's just a little bit different not to say that tech's not creative it's deeply creative profoundly but um it's it's just a little bit different and so I I knew that I needed to have people around me um here in New York and so that's how I made the jump um and then the people that I found here that I'm really you know, I feel like I've almost, I've found like a soul sister here already and very thankful mm-hmm. for her. And she's a writer. Um, yeah. And so she's encouraged me to write. And it's just been this almost like, I think when you go through, I mean, you probably got a little bit of it, but my twenties were really, really, really tough, really difficult for a lot of reasons. Um, and I kind of touched on that a little bit with like music and voice and all that stuff. But um, when you get that knocked down, you kind of, Mm-hmm. you you can just you get a little callous not in a yes. not in a bitter way but like you almost like it's like a distant dream like you kind of forget yeah. some of the things that you love and I've always written I've always loved it and coming to New York she's just reminded me just in who she is I'm like oh yeah I'm a writer I am a writer yeah. I do that I write that's like that's what I've always done I've, I've always written and I've always had a camera in my hand I've always had those two things together yeah. Um, and so just even in that, like having women around me to like show me like really good or not even good, but cheap and effective, like script writing software and how yeah. to like organize your scenes and just having stuff like that's been incredibly helpful. But then I also have friends in fashion here. You know, I have friends that are stylists, friends that are photographers. And so just being able to kind of spitball and talk about that and, and yeah. be tastemakers and explore, you know, think those things together is just really, really, really it's so integral to my process and to me feeling successful and like I can flourish. Um, and then it's interesting because to answer your first question, Old Navy, and I would, I would imagine maybe a lot of Gap and Sephora was definitely this way, where beauty and fashion tend to be female dominated, right? Yeah. So our CMO, love her, I'm obsessed, Jamie Gersh. If you ever listen to this, Jamie, we love you. Um, but our CMO, um, she's female. And then our we have VP of marketing is, VP of creative is. Um, our The CEO of Gap Inc., um, she just stepped down last week. Um, she, I mean, she was also female and she, I mean, she like 
she was a powerhouse woman and she's done a ton for Gap Inc. Um, And so a lot of the leaders that I'm around are actually women, Um, which is really, really interesting because it's almost like I don't, I don't know any different. Whereas if you were to ask a woman in tech or an art director, maybe in the tech industry, I think they might have a different answer where it's, there's a lot more men in that industry. Um, I would say that I've come across and there's two ways. One, I think you always have to prove yourself as a creative. You always do. And so there's, totally. I will literally always feel like I have to prove myself as a director, right. not because I'm insecure, but because people don't see nature. talent yeah. sometimes, you know? Yeah. And so you're like, well, okay, I will just keep working and working and working. And eventually you're going to see right. that all the things that are working well, you know, you'll see it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I think that I have experienced some kind of, um, I don't, I don't know if it's, it's not like mansplaining or anything like mm-hmm. that, but sometimes you can experience a little bit of um, lack of responsibility. I think sometimes where like, or they'll like coddle you. Maybe it's like being a pretty girl, yeah. um, you know, like I, I find that that happens sometimes. I'm like, my dude, I don't, I don't need coddling. I need opportunity, <laughs> you know? Thank so, you. I went. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's, it, I mean, and it depends on the company, but I've, I've been incredibly yeah. blessed at the companies that I've worked at. Um, not necessarily the small startups, but like the bigger corporations like Sephora and Gap Inc with Old Navy, great companies take care of their yeah. employees, want to see you flourish, want to see you do well. Um, and so I haven't necessarily had any opposition in, in that sense, but I've also, I've always had the mindset of like, I don't care if you think that I will do it anyway, right. you know, um, not in like a, an aggressively like prideful way, but just as a, I'm confident this is what I do and I'm just going to yeah. do it and we're going to see how it lands. But, um, yeah, I think, I think having female leaders in the companies that I've worked at, female creative directors, um, female VPs, uh, CMOs, even now having that is I think it just naturally gives you the encouragement and like kind of the boost of confidence yeah. that you need to do yeah. stuff well. Um, you know, cause I, I think I'm at a point in my career now where I'm like, I just want, I want really dope creatives and artists around me. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are women, some of them are men. Yeah. Um, I just want great work to be done. Um, yeah. and I think there's a lot to learn from each other. Um, so I think it, it depends on, you know, depends on the corp, but I've been, I yeah. feel like I've been really lucky to have good experiences. That's great. Yeah. Which I think is having that shown to you and seeing that around you is part of the reason why, you know, other than your own talent and ability and ambition that already exists within you. Um, it's important. The visibility is important, you know, so I'm excited to see more of that in other industries and just, I think as time goes on, hopefully (laughs) that will start Mm -hmm. to shift, but, but it's interesting even to hear, you know, cause some, some people I talk to, there's no women ahead of them. There's no one for them to look to and that affects them in a certain way. And then for some there are, and that affects them in a certain way. So it's, you're affected either way, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting to learn more. And then, yeah, with community, I think it's so cool and so important to have people. That's how we get edified and that's how we (laughs) get Mm -hmm. refined is like, you can't in a, in a bubble, you can't be kind in a a bubble. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you can be kind to yourself, I guess, but like mostly your kindness and your, that's the same with skill, right? It's going to be refined with people mm-hmm. around you and, and good people around you. So, yeah. and something else that I've noticed about um, creative community for me yeah. is I need people who are very willing to be patient in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we, I'm in Enneagram, we really don't know. It could be a five or a four. I'm about split down the middle. 
and so I, the first time I took it, I was a five wing or was a four wing five, but or not the first time, but like when I, I really resonated with it, it was a four wing yeah. five. But um, as time has gone on, and my deepest friends that know me well, they're like, yeah, you're a five, um, a five wing four. So. Yeah, yeah, very can be very it's cerebral. Also, like very, very four of you to not want to be either one. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Like, you know I don't fit a box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I am, but all that to say, I I find that I am drawn to people and communities that are really nurturing in a space to right. create versus achieve. Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't do well with the very American mindset of like achieve, 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 goal, goal, goal. And I just feel like I need to say that for somebody who needs to hear that. Like I personally do not do well with that. When people are aggressively goal setting and they're crazy manifesting, I mean, I need to manifest and it's helpful for me to write it all out of like, okay, what do I really want out of life? I eventually, you know, in this amount of time, I want to have a home and in this amount of time, I want to have directed a, a short and all these things. That is healthy, but to come at me and ask me what all my goals are and to expect me personally to have um, a list of goals per year, I I get a little overwhelmed with that. That's also not necessarily how I function. Um, I have my high level goals and I kind of break that down into a lifestyle of living. But I think it's important to nurture the way that you function, right. like truly, especially as artists. I think it's so important to have those accountability people that are going to make sure that you stay in your lane and that you keep moving forward, but that they're also really going to give you this wide open field to pursue that in the way that it is. Right. You know, and I just find that um, when I'm around people who are just aggressively like, well, I did this and then I did this and are you doing this and are you doing this? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to sit with my character for a few weeks. I want to walk around the park. Think about what they do in the park. Like, you know, I just, I don't, I think that I have like a, and that's like, I have such a writer for me to say that, but I think, I I just think that it's so important for us to leave space for different, different ways of processing and achieving the things in life that, that either like that we feel God has called us to, or we feel called to. I think it is so important to leave space for that. Um, And especially with an American culture that's just so busy all the time, so goals oriented and achievement oriented, I I have to fully remove myself from all of that. I know that I will, you know, get to the things that I've dreamed of my whole life. I know that I will get there. Yeah. But I kind of have to remove myself from the really aggressive pursuit of that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And you probably get enough of that in a corporate job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have to have it outside of of that too. No, that's great. That's Mm -hmm. really helpful. But yeah, this has been awesome and I'm excited to see where all of this goes and what the season of, you know, just laying down roots and building in here in New York and yeah, what yeah. that all just Me too. How that grows and flourishes and yeah, thank you for speaking all your story and just so much wisdom. I'm excited. I want to go back and listen to this. And, to this, so. <laughs> and then also maybe watch Madam Secretary. <laughs> and also watch me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, just Am love I going to do this after? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Well, well thanks thank for you, having Anna. me. It's so lovely to chat. Yes. All right. Bye to our listeners. To all our listeners, thank you once again for tuning in. We hope you feel loved and encouraged by today's content. Be sure to stay tuned for more exciting updates and our gather news on our Instagram at Girls Who Gather, as well as our website, www.thegirlswhogather.com. Also remember to share and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Be on the lookout for season updates, announcements, merch, media, meetups, and more. 
there's always something for you to be involved in and a place to belong.